Hey, we're in James chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go to James 5. Uh, we've been walking through the book of James. We're there. James chapter 5, and uh, we're in verse number 13. We've been walking through this book of James, and this morning uh, uh, we're in this section on prayer. And uh, James, I'm so thankful for the book of James. It's very practical. In fact, it's a, kind of a New Testament book of Proverbs, and so it covers a lot of material uh, as we go forward. That we Very practical, very practical book. And this morning <clears throat> is all about prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that I don't understand exactly how they work. I, I think uh, uh, this week, in fact, I was thinking about even my telephone this week. I know I'm a very simple-minded person, but I don't understand how I can hold a device that's disconnected and all of a sudden somebody anywhere in the world can be speaking and I hear their voice come through my phone. I don't know how that works, you know what I'm saying? Or, or music. I mean, out of thin air, all of a sudden I can hear music on my phone or, or video, you know, to be able to see somebody. I don't know how that works. I don't know how uh, they, you can be totally isolated and detached. And, 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 and by the way, you may understand it. <clears throat> Please don't try to explain it in email to me this week. All I'm telling you is I don't understand that. I love the mystery. I'm okay with the mystery. Uh, I don't need an explanation. I don't even know how electricity works. I know it works. I'm not going to stick my fingers in the sockets over here. But I'm telling you, I'm not sure about a lot of things exactly how they work. And, and, and when you're talking about uh, biblical principles, prayer is one of those things. I do not understand exactly how prayer works. All I'm saying is I know that man has responsibilities before a sovereign God, and he says, I want you to pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, First Thessalonians says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I want you to be a person of prayer. Uh, again, when you look at the New Testament, even the disciples, the apostles, didn't really fully understand this idea of prayer. That's the reason why. They asked Jesus himself, hey, would you teach us how to pray. I mean, I could have thought of a lot of things to ask how to, uh, but they said, I, I, I want to know how exactly to pray. And so God help us, teach us again how to pray. When you're talking about prayer, I think that prayer is, is in fact, uh, uh, perhaps the greatest uh, power that is known to mankind. Mankind has known a lot of different power over the years. We, we've had manpower, and then manpower moved to horsepower, and then horsepower goes to atomic power and now nuclear power but I'm telling you the most powerful the most powerful power <laughs> on the planet is prayer when you're talking about prayer the object or subject of prayer why is it so powerful I think that Chuck Swindoll he gives a quote on prayer and I think it really gives us the reason why is it so powerful prayer he says is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence prayer God, help us to be a praying church. Help us to be praying individuals. What wasted potential is it when people are prayerless? God, help us to be, again, people who are very much given to prayer, recognizing our utter dependence upon God Almighty. John Bunyan made a statement. He said this, You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. And so James here, uh, as he's writing this letter, uh, in fact, James is one church tradition goes back. Church tradition says that James was kind of nicknamed Camel Knees because he was known to be a man of prayer, recognizing, again, the need for prayer. James 5, verse 13 and following this morning. The Bible says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? 
He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. I therefore confess, uh, uh, therefore, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three uh, years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And this morning, just talking about prayer in this passage of Scripture, every verse calls us to be a people of prayer. So he begins, he says, I want you to pray individually. I want you to pray collectively to be a people of prayer. And he begins in verse number 13 by saying, hey, listen, there is personal prayer involved in what we're talking about today. There's personal prayer involved in what we are talking about. He says, is there anybody, is there anybody among you who are suffering in verse number 13. Is there anybody suffering? Another word being afflicted. It's the same word. Hey, listen, and here's where we got to be careful. In fact, when you're walking through this text of Scripture, be careful because this has led a lot of people to a lot of different directions. And so, God, help us, I pray. My prayer this week has been for clarity from this text that God would speak to us from his word as it, again, has been written. But this word for suffering, is there anybody suffering or afflicted is the same exact word that's used back in verse number 10. If you go back up, it says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, the prophets, we're not talking about a necessarily physical, but as, as a result of persecution, is there anybody suffering among you? When you're talking about suffering persecution, it has a traumatic impact on the individual. When you're talking about suffering persecution, there's mental, emotional, and physical sufferings. And, 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 and oftentimes what happens to us is, 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 is we want to handle things on our own, in our own strength, in our own way. And can I tell you something? The enemy would love to isolate you because it's in those isolated moments that he will destroy you. And so James is just simply saying, hey, recognize that, man, we are in this together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to gather together. Now, he begins by saying, hey, is anybody afflicted or suffering as a result of this persecution, man? Are you struggling along the way spiritually? Because if you are and you don't deal with it, it will lead to some devastating consequences. It will lead to bitterness in heart. You ever met somebody that was struggling along the way, and before you know it, they just kind of drift away, and they get bitter? I mean, this morning, in fact, even this morning during prayer time in the back, a testimony came forward of somebody that's struggling with bitterness. God, help us to deal with these things. It'll lead to depression. It'll lead to bitterness. It'll lead to complaining because that's what happens. Pray for the suffering. Psalm 50, the Bible says it like this. In Psalm chapter 50, in verse number 15, the Bible says this. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. <clears throat> you know, there was an old song that called his people to pray. What a friend we have in Jesus. You ever heard that song before? Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Turning your hymn books, hymn number 182. Remember that? <laughs> 
Listen to this. What a friend we have in Jesus, all of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We need to pray in the midst of our suffering. Why does he encourage us to do that? Because if we're not careful along the way, we drift. I don't know that I can go to my father. I'm struggling. And we drift. And he says, hey, anybody suffering? You come, you come. But then he says, anybody excited? Anybody happy? You come. You praise him. You praise him. Verse number 13. That's what he tells us to do. He says, anyone suffering? Let him come. He must pray. Is anybody cheerful? He's to sing praises. Sometimes our suffering, in fact, leads to prayer, but other times, I'm telling you, there are other times that even in our difficult days, it doesn't mean when life is going honky-dory for you. Do you know that you can be in the darkest of days and still have a heart that's overflowing with praise to God Almighty? So does anybody, anybody want to praise God? Praise God. Enter into his courts with singing. It's an incredible blessing that we have as believers. If you remember the story, Acts chapter 16 was coming to my mind this week as I was reading this passage of Scripture. Acts 16, verses 22 and following. And the Bible says, The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off, and they proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, verse number 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Can you imagine what was happening that night? Paul and Silas thrown into jail. And they ask, not a big deal. You ever been beaten with a rod to within an inch of life and locked up in stocks in a dark, stinky dungeon prison? And they began singing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And do you know in their moment of praise, there were people watching? And that jailer and his whole family were saved. What a testimony to the goodness of God when his people praise him. God, let me be a person of praise. James is saying, here's the deal. Good times, bad times. Your father desires fellowship with you. Praise him. Pray to him. Stay connected with him. He's longing for fellowship with you. It goes on from there in verses number 14 and 15, praying for self to prayer for spiritual sicknesses. Verses number 14 and 15. He says it this way. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to... Pray 
over him. Interesting when you're looking at this text of Scripture because he says, hey, if anybody's sick, let him call for the elders of the church and they're going to come and pray over him. You know, we, we live in a day where it's, it's, it's really crazy. The church world and, and, and this world in which we live is so uh, uh, changing, you know, uh, rather than calling and saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, I am struggling, we just post it. <laughs> Everybody knows because I posted it. Can I tell you, if that's all you do, I probably will never see it because I don't read it. And we have elders that would love the privilege to pray. It says the responsibility is on the one who is sick. But watch this. <clears throat> he says, pray over him, anointing him uh, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. When I, I want to address one other thing before I get into where I was going this morning, and that's in verse number 15. The prayer offered up in faith. Do you know that there's a, 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 a really a, a sorry teaching that leads people to great struggles? <clears throat> the reason you're sick because you don't have the faith. Do you see what that verse says? It's not the faith of the sick one. It's the faith of the elders praying over that one. Faith. You see it? <clears throat> you ever sick? Laid up. And somebody says, hey, the reason for your sickness maybe is because you're lacking faith. That's a whole other subject anyways. <laughs> That's it. We're going to go through some difficult days. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds. You're going to go through difficult days, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. But aren't you grateful to have a Heavenly Father who will never leave me and He'll never forsake me? And His grace is sufficient to carry me through difficult days when I am sick? I'm thankful for a God that allows me the privilege to be able to sing songs when it's raining and storming in my life. I still, because of His joy, can sing songs of praise. Prayer. Prayer for spiritual sickness. Verse 14, 15. It's an incredibly challenging portion of Scripture. When you're talking about sickness, here's where we got to be careful as you're reading through this passage of Scripture. Just because a person gets sick doesn't necessarily mean that it's because they have sinned. Obviously, when you go through Scripture, there are stories about this. John chapter number 9, over in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says this. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he would be born blind. And Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So just because somebody's sick doesn't mean, oh, they have sinned in some great, great way. That being said, uh, there is some sin that results as a result, that, that, that does happen as a result of sin. When you're reading through Scripture, uh, we can get sick because of sin. Jesus talks about a story over in John's Gospel, in John chapter number 5. And there was a fella that was laid up by the pool of Bethesda, for some 38 years because he couldn't walk. And so this guy was the fool. Uh, you know, in fact, I, I was in Virginia one time, and they, and, and they said, you ever preached? This, this lady asked me a question. You ever preached a message on a pool of Bethesda? <laughs> you ever? It's like there ain't no R in that one. But anyways, Bethesda, uh, uh, this pool, this guy was there for 38 years, right? And he gets healed. 
In John chapter number 5 and in verse number 14, Jesus found him. Verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, Behold, you become well. Don't sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, sometimes as a result of sin, we can suffer sickness. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 30. The Bible says, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number have even died. They sleep. So the Bible here, James is talking. He says, is anyone among you sick? And then he goes on from there. Now, it's interesting because when you start looking at the words that are being used in the Greek New Testament, a lot of times what happens to us is, is, is there are multiple Greek words for the same thing. And sometimes even a Greek word can be used in a couple of different ways in the English language. This happens to be one of those cases. When you're talking about this, James says, is anybody sick? It's also interpreted several different places. Is anybody weak? Is anybody feeble? Is anybody impotent? Is anybody incapacitated? Is anybody helpless? Romans chapter number 4. Let me give you a few references on this one in particular. Romans chapter 4, verse number 19. The Bible says it like this. Without becoming weak in the faith, he contemplated his own body. Same word being used there. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Same word being used as helpless. Romans chapter number 14 verses number 1 and 2. Romans 14 verses number 1 and 2. And the Bible says it <clears throat> Like this, now accept the one who is weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses number 9, 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 9, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Verses 11 and 12. For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. And so you say, why, why, why are you mentioning all of that? Simply because a lot of times when someone comes to this particular verse in Scripture, their mind goes to, if somebody has cancer, when the fact of the matter is this word is used throughout the New Testament in ways to describe someone who is spiritually sick. You're weak. There's something wrong with the faith. There's a struggle. <clears throat> so James is addressing a particular condition. That's not to say, by the way, <laughs> not to pray for people. We pray for people with emotional sickness. We pray for people who has physical sickness. We pray for people who has spiritual sickness. We pray in all things, but in particular, he's using this word as spiritual sickness right here. And he says, what are you supposed to do? And he says, call for the elders of the church that they can pray and anoint in the name of the Lord. And when you're talking about the elders in the church, do you realize that really the twofold ministry that we are to be about 
the pastors. Pastors are supposed to be about twofold ministry primarily. Doesn't mean there's not a lot of other things covered, but preaching and prayer. If you go back to the book of Acts, you can see preaching and prayer better be at the top of the list. And so prayer is very much a part. He says, if anybody is sick among you, let him call for elders of the church and, and they'll anoint, and having anointed. In other words, when you're looking at the wording again, it's an aorist participle just simply saying, having anointed. And, in, and again, when you're talking about <clears throat> in the Greek text, there are two different words used for anointing oil. One of them happens to be the spiritual consecration or the spiritual uh, anointing with oil. In other words, creo is the word that's used, but this is not the word being used by James in this particular passage of Scripture. Instead, he's using another Greek word, and it's just simply eleon. And so what he is saying is simply this. It's a medical term. It's the same word that's used in Luke's gospel. If you go back to Luke and the gospel of Luke in chapter number 10, you're familiar with the Good Samaritan story, right? The Good Samaritan, all of a sudden, there's a man that's been beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And there were a couple of religious people that came, and they walked right by. But there was a Samaritan that came along, and the Bible says in Luke chapter number 10 and in verse number 34, and he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I believe that what James is simply saying is this, prayer coupled with medical treatment for those who are struggling, even physically sick. And so when you're talking about physical sickness, make sure you're not just simply, what's he saying? He's saying stay out of the ditches because there are some people that just say, as long as you got enough faith, God Almighty is going to heal you. And James is saying, hey, make sure you're also anointing the wounds with oil, medically. There's a spiritual side. And then the prayer of faith, it doesn't mean that I'm trusting in the medicine, though, because if you look at the wording again, he's simply saying, hey, make sure, uh, in verse number 14 and 15, uh, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. What do you mean? I recognize completely that healing belongs to your hand. I will go and receive medical treatment, but at the end of the day, it's not the medicine that's going to bring the healing. God, it's you that brings the healing. And that's what James is saying. Pray over those people. Pray for them. Best thing we can do is pray when someone gets sick. Verse 15, he goes on and he says it. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. He's going on into the restoration side of the sickness. This word for sick, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 3. It's the same word used in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15 and verse number 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Speaking again about spiritual struggles along the way. And here James is just simply saying, hey, listen, pray for those spiritually sick. Call out to the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. And God, help us to be a church of restoration when people are struggling. And what happens along the way is there are a lot of people that are suffering in isolation. There are a lot of people that struggle spiritually speaking in a world where they are parched and dry spiritually, but they don't want to call on anybody. Why? Because there's a lot of condemnation rather than restoration. But God help us be a church and a people that would say, hey, listen, I am a sinner saved by grace. We all are going to struggle along the way. God help us to come alongside of one another, pray over one another, and pray for God Almighty to deliver people from spiritual sicknesses whether that be addictions to drugs or alcohol pornography whatever it might be there's people struggling even this morning 
Is there hope for me? Oh, absolutely, but it's only in Jesus Christ. But you come, but you come to take the step for restoration. Is there anybody sick among us people, spiritually sick? Nurture them to health this morning, my prayer is that we quit hiding, come for healing. He goes on in verse number 16. Watch the line of thought as he goes. Verse 16, therefore, therefore, it's a continuation. It's a continuation thought of what he's talking about, right? Anytime you're in Scripture and you come up to therefore, just simply means, hey, make sure you're paying attention because this is a continuation of what I'm talking about right here in this context. And so context is of utmost importance when you're reading through Scripture. He says, therefore, therefore, because of this, because of the devastating consequences of sin in your life, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Don't wait till you hit rock bottom. Don't wait till your family falls apart. Don't wait till you lose your wife or lose your husband. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. God, help us to be a people of prayer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote Life Together, and he gave a few reasons in this book about why we <clears throat> need to confess. What he says, number one, here's why we confess. Because sin brings isolation. Listen, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community, and the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. I wonder this morning if there's anybody here that in the darkest of moments during the day you're not crying out for help. I'm struggling. I'm drowning spiritually. I'm drowning. Confession brings healthy humiliation, number two. That's what he said. Confession brings healthy humiliation. Why do we need healthy humiliation? Because what we do, if we're not careful, is we put on our Sunday suit and we come and I got it all under control, brother. <laughs> I mean, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And we speak all the Christianese language, right? And the fact of the matter is, sometimes I'm really struggling, and I need to just take off and be real. Say, hey, I need somebody to pray over me. Pray for me, because I am struggling in the moment. Just being real. That's what James is saying in this text of Scripture. Healthy humiliation. <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, hey, listen, 
Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. You know, again, one of those reasons why people don't want to get real is because they find a lot of condemnation. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 10 is how dare we who are struggling along the way cast a stone at somebody else. Somebody's struggling, let him come. And come for healing. And by the way, when you're talking about this idea of confession, you typically you allow the confession to be as big as the circle of offense, in other words, or if it's a personal struggle, <clears throat> you go in confidence to someone near and dear to you and not just use a floor to air out dirty laundry. You know what I'm talking about? God, I need help. And aren't you thankful for brothers and sisters who will come alongside of you and love you and walk with you and pray over you through difficulties? That's the kind of church I want to be. It says there's two things to effective prayer. Number one has to do with intensity, the intensity with which we pray. You know, sometimes if you think about prayer life, it's so lackadaisical. And the intensity with which we pray matters. You know, sometimes our prayer life is, is, is about, it's kind of like, like playing ding-dong ditch with God. You know what I'm talking about? You know when you knock on your neighbor's door and run? <laughs> Don't tell my neighbors I did that to them. <laughs> I, just, I prayed. I prayed. Did you? Did you? With intensity? It's a picture of a racehorse straining as he comes across the finish line. Have you stretched out before God in prayer? Intensity. But I'll tell you another key for effective prayer has to do with integrity. Integrity. You see, we have this, if we're not careful, approach to God that, oh, God loves me, which he does unconditionally, and aren't you thankful for that? But that sin's not a big deal because it's already been taken care of, to which I would say positionally, absolutely on the cross. All of my sins ever have been, ever will be, have been completely paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. Positionally, I'm taken care of. Practically, it matters how we live. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15 and in verse number 29, and Proverbs chapter number 15, verse number 29, the Bible says it uh, like this. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. <clears throat> so James says, make sure you're praying. And then it's interesting that he would close out with the illustration of Elijah. In verse number 17 and 18. And he closes this section out on prayer. And by the way, it's not closed out. Next week we're going to pick up the last couple of verses. But he's just saying, hey, 
Let me tell you something. Prayer is incredibly powerful. And then he says, think about Elijah's life. Verses 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Why does he say that? Because a lot of times we look at Elijah and all we can think about is, man, he was a miracle-working uh, superman in the Old Testament, which the fact of the matter is, although God, God is a miracle-working God that worked in and through him, but he was a man no different than me and no different than you. What do you mean? He had struggles like we do. He's just a person like we are. In fact, if you look at the story of Elijah here, he's referring to, he's saying, hey, you know what? Back in the day, man, Elijah, let me tell you what Elijah did back in the day. Do you remember what Elijah did? King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they were wicked people that turned the hearts of the people of God away from God Almighty. And there was a showdown. And Elijah told Ahab, hey, it's not going to rain for the next three and a half years. Except at my word, and it stopped raining, and it got dry. Three and a half years go by, and all of a sudden, man, they have a showdown on Mount Carmel. Do you remember the showdown that happened on Mount Carmel? It was Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And he goes out there, and the prophets of Baal, they offered a sacrifice to their gods, and they got all crazy and wild, and they danced around and sang to their gods and cried out to their gods and cut themselves for their gods to try to work their way and appease their god, and nobody answered. And then it was Elijah's turn, and Elijah said, hey, take those four water pots and fill them up, and then douse the sacrifice and do it three times over. Soak that sucker. And then Elijah goes and he cries out to God. He said, God Almighty, I want these people to know that there's one true and living God and his name is Jesus Christ. Would you come down there and lick up this sacrifice? And it happened. Remember? Remember the story? Elijah went to Ahab and he said, Ahab, uh, you might want to go ahead and start making preparations because the rain's coming. Land's been parched for a long time. Rain's coming. Remember? You know what Elijah did? The Bible says Elijah went out there, got on the knees, and he started praying. So, God, don't fail me now. Would you send rain? And he had a servant beside him. And he said, go see if it's coming. The Bible said a servant went out there, <clears throat> came back, Elijah, I'm not seeing it. Elijah went again. God, you're the God of Abraham, now Isaac and Jacob. I have nowhere else to turn. Would you send rain? Seven times. The servant came. I don't see it. I don't see. You ever thought, what if Elijah would have said, man, I prayed about it. God didn't deliver. One, two, three, four, five. Seventh time. <laughs> Servant came back. Ah, Elijah. 
there's this like little cloud about the size of my hand, not much, but there's a little cloud out there. And Elijah got up from the ground. He said, hey, we better boogie because <laughs> the rain's coming. Crazy, crazy. And it poured. He got a note from Jezebel. Said, hey, I'm coming after you. One woman, he saw the mighty works of God. But one woman, <clears throat> Elijah went out there, said, God, take my life. Why do you share that? Because Elijah was a man like us. He had weaknesses, he had struggles, but he was a child of the living God that prayed with intensity, he prayed with integrity and fervency, and God Almighty answered in a powerful way. And I wonder this morning, is there anybody here that would say, I am spiritually sick. I'm parched. I am dry. And I really, really need showers of blessing in my life. I need healing. It's been my prayer as we come into today that you wouldn't hide, but that this morning you'd say, hey, I need help. Somebody pray for me. Pray for me. And this is your opportunity today. You come. You come. Would you join me for prayer this morning? <clears throat> I'm going to pray, and after I pray... We'll sing a song, and when the song has been sung, <clears throat> I'm going to invite you to come. And maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, hey, I, I'd like for somebody to pray over me, pray with me, pray for me, pray, pray for my family. Pray for my wife, pray for my husband. Pray for me. Oh, God, thank you for the privilege of prayer today. Thank you for the privilege of being part of a family. God, may we love like you love. Oh God, we are a needy people. Lord, today I pray for those that may be here that have never even been saved. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would knock on the door of their heart. Lord Jesus, draw them to you. And I pray that this would be the day they would cry out. God, your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That Jesus came into this world not to condemn us but to save us from our sin. You're our hope, God. You are our only hope. Thank you. For loving us. God, have your way now. Lord Jesus, have your way. Thank you for this time. 
have your way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.